Welcome to The Operational Angle, an Ipsos podcast that explores the breadth and depth of Ipsos data collection capabilities. If you care about the quality and rigor of the data collected for your study, then this is the podcast for you. I am Leah McTiernan, Senior Vice President in charge of communications for Total Operations, and I am your host. Total Operations recently published an Ipsos Fuse paper that delves into building trust and advocacy amongst the individuals with which we do research, our respondents. One of the building blocks of trust and advocacy is having a strong public affairs or polling practice. So in this episode, I am pleased to speak with Daryl Brecker, the global CEO of Ipsos Public Affairs, to discuss more about how Ipsos works to build familiarity with the Ipsos name and to use that to build trust. It's my honor and pleasure to be speaking with Daryl Bricker, Global CEO of Ipsos Public Affairs today. Welcome, Daryl, and thank you for taking the time to chat with me. My sincere pleasure to be on, and it's an honor and uh, a privilege to be speaking to you as well. Well, let's jump in. Many of our listeners might very well be familiar with you, Daryl, but could you share a bit about your background, your experience, and your current role at Ipsos? Okay, so I've, I've basically worked in uh, public opinion research almost my entire career, uh, going back to uh, graduate studies uh, where I, I focused on quantitative research when I was at Carleton University where I did my PhD. And then I spent a little bit of time in the Prime Minister's office back in the late 80s um, uh, doing uh, public opinion research and ended up at another research company uh, that uh, I left after a short period of time and went to Angus Reid, which was subsequently bought by Ipsos uh, in about the year 2000. And... Uh, that's when I uh, took on more than just a Canadian role. I started taking on more of a North American role. And then shortly after that, as Ipsos expanded its global uh, public affairs business, they asked me to take a, a leadership role in uh, running the global public affairs business. And I've been doing that uh, pretty much ever since. It started off as uh, six countries where we had public affairs businesses. Now it's close to 40. So it's a, it's a lot of activity, a lot of really interesting stuff that's happening all over the world in public affairs. And I get to work with almost a thousand really expert public affairs researchers, and it's a, it's a, it's a real privilege to, to have the opportunity to do this. I, I can understand why public affairs has always got interesting topics to research. Ipsos has always valued and prioritized having a strong public affairs presence across its global community of local country teams. Could you provide a bit of background regarding the genesis of this strategy and how it relates to what Ipsos is doing today? Well, that's, that's a really good uh, question, Leah, because it, it really is reflective of something that's unique within the DNA of Ipsos. And there were two, uh, one founder of Ipsos, Didier Truchot, who is our current, uh, our current chairman and, and CEO, uh, and he is more of a market researcher, he's actually a media researcher. And his partner, shortly after that, um, after he started Ipsos, uh, was Jean-Marc Lesch. Uh, and uh, until Jean-Marc uh, Lesch passed away uh, a little while ago, he was really the uh, the alter ego of, of Didier Truchot. And uh, while Didier really focused on media research, uh, Jean-Marc was always passionate about public affairs research. He was a political pollster. He was very prominent in France. Uh, and uh, they always envisaged building a global business that would really support those two areas of activity. Uh, market research and, and you know, getting information about people as consumers. And then the other side, which was really about politics and society, which was public affairs. So they've really grown both of those areas of activity 
Uh, and on the public affairs side, I think it's uh, without a doubt now that we're the market leader in that space. And really, it's uh, it's uh, it's part of the legacy of Jean-Marc Lash, who was that, as I said before, kind of the alter ego to Didier Trichot. So it is something that's actually quite unique for Ipsos in the, in the world of market research. Interesting. And to build on that, a colleague of yours, Henri Wallard, wrote in the Ipsos Views piece, Opinion Polls, A Tour of the Territory. He wrote that political opinion polls are the public face of the entire research industry and are an important source of information for the media, the public, and the decision makers. As it relates to providing a public face to citizens and consumers, are there strategies or tactics that you focus on so that Ipsos becomes a household brand name or at least familiar to the public? Yeah, that's that's a, a really good point. It's always been part of our strategy. The only reason that anybody knows anything about a research company is usually due to their political polling. So if you went out and just walked past somebody on the street and asked them, can you name me a company that does, you know, research, you know, public opinion research, surveys, market research, uh, if they named one, it would probably be one that they've heard of as a result of uh, of what they've read in the news or experienced, uh, uh, you know, in an election campaign uh, that relates to political surveys. It's actually, uh, it's, it's not a huge part of what we do in public affairs, but it's the part that gets the most attention. And the reason for that is because you're participating in the democratic process. You're providing information about what you think citizens are feeling or thinking about what's going on in an election campaign. And to say that you can do that with a degree of accuracy where you can predict the outcome of how uh, you know, a collective process of democracy is going to, uh, is going to work is, uh, is a huge level of responsibility. And, and, and beyond that, it's, it's, it's quite, a, quite a significant claim. Uh, because if you can do that when it comes to something in which it's the one time, any time in any in any society in which you actually accurately have to predict what people are going to do based on uh, how they respond to surveys, however you do them, um, uh, that that uh, is a, a really powerful thing because <laughs> it's the one date that everybody can agree on that you can either predict accurately or you can't. It's that it's that one event. So if you can do that well with uh, something as difficult as predicting the outcome of an election campaign, what can you do for people who are interested in advancing their brands or building their marketplace using similar types of techniques? If you want to understand what consumers think, why don't you use the most accurate method for getting an assessment of that? And political polling all the way back to, uh, you know, George Gallup, you know, even before that um, really uh, was the proving point for anything to do with uh, anything to do with survey research or probability sampling survey sampling, and all the things that we use to do uh, to do uh, all aspects of market research these days. It's not that political polling grew out of market research. It's actually the other way around. Market research grew out of political polling. So it is the basis for everything that what we do and showing that you can do it really, really well and you can do it accurately, uh, particularly in this very difficult environment that we're in these days, uh, is a, a statement about our ability to measure all aspects of human behavior and uh, you know social change using those tools in a very effective way. I think you bring up some really valid points. And I think that also really dovetails nicely into the next um, question I wanted to raise. In the past, you have led Ipsos corporate reputation business, which consults with organizations about building reputational trust. We recently did some research on research where we found that Ipsos and its panels earned more reputational trust and advocacy in markets where there was a strong public affairs practice. This, of course, affirmed my hypothesis. 
And my assumption is that does not surprise you either. But when you speak about the rigor and um, the value of having a strong public affairs practice, I'd really love to hear your perspective about building up our public affairs practices in key Ipsos markets where they're not particularly strong. Yeah, it's, it's, it's a challenge um, because there are some countries in which political polling is a dangerous thing to do. So, uh, you know, we can't use that mechanism for, uh, for building our public affairs reputation. Although uh, what we can do is maybe avoid things like, for example, uh, horse race polling, trying to pick winners and really focus more on social issues, trying to hold up a bit of a mirror to a, a society to give people some sense of what their neighbors are, are thinking uh, about various issues. But the thing about the public affairs business is, you know, we have all those measurement goals. We have all the goals that relate to uh, uh, serving, the, uh, I would say, uh, the broader public good of really speaking truth to power, really representing what the public, uh, what the public is thinking to powerful organizations, you know, not just in the public sector, but the private sector and saying, you know, if you, if you think that what you're doing is a good thing, this is, or a bad thing, this is how the public feels about it. Uh, that tends to be a pretty powerful tool with, uh, uh, with corporate executives. But the thing that I think that uh, is a bit of a misnomer that we even have inside our own company at Ipsos is that we do this because it's strictly for publicity. Uh, that we do it strictly for for building profile. The truth is, our public affairs business is one of the most profitable, fastest growing businesses that we have at Ipsos. So if you do a good job in public affairs, it's not just good for building our reputation. It's not just good in terms of uh, providing a vehicle for uh, doing a public good, which would be actually telling the truth about what's going on in a, in a society. But from a very self-interested perspective, it, it happens to be a really good business as well. Well, I, I do understand that. Now, um, our viewers may not know that both you and I sit here in Toronto, Canada, and you and I recently experienced a local federal election. Uh, the next day, it seemed a bit like deja vu all over again when most of the votes had been counted and there wasn't much difference from the night before. But I know that Ipsos Canada took a very different approach from some of the other polling companies in the country. Of course, the approach was purposeful, but was there an element of creating more confidence or trust in what Ipsos was releasing both to the media and with the public? It's really uh, important to highlight what we did that was different. So we had with our, our polling partner, which is Global News, uh, which is also Chorus. Um, so they have the largest radio broadcasting news network in the country and, uh, and also the, the second most viewed um, uh, television news uh, broadcast, series of broadcasts that they run extremely well represented in the regions, but also a, a good national presence. And their um, view of things was more than just running just a national horse race poll, which we did for them every week. They also wanted to go deep on the issues that were really driving those numbers. So they wanted to get a good sense of what the issues were that were most important to Canadians when they were looking at who they should, uh, should be voting for. But beyond that, what we also did was we did deep dives into very specific groups of Canadians. So, for example, we did a special feature on BIPOC Canadians. We did something on LGBTQ plus uh, Canadians and what their views were. We looked at uh, people living in the suburbs and what their views were. So we didn't just, you know, publish a daily number and say, you know, this is where the race was or uh, we didn't just publish, a, you know, a weekly number just to look at things. We tried to go really deep and put out a series of different releases along with some analytical op-eds or uh, opposite the editorial page, but, you know, longer form, you know, 500, 800 word uh, analysis of what 
specific groups of the population were thinking, what was driving the, the dynamics of the campaign. So we took a more exhaustive approach to it rather than just producing a headline uh, number uh, on, on a daily basis. The other thing that we did for them, and this is something that's unique for Ipsos, is on election day, we always run um, what we call an online exit poll, but really is just an election day poll, where we recruit people from our access panels and have them go out and vote and then get back to us to answer a survey on why they voted the way that they did. So we are the only people, uh, only polling company that does this in Canada, where we interviewed 10,000 people who have actually voted on election day in order to um, understand what people were doing as they marked those ballots in real time. And what that allowed us to do for Global News was not just to be able to um, assess how the campaign, the votes were going to be counted through the day and who was winning and losing. It gave us really good insight that we could provide to their journalists, and but also we were on on the broadcast to explain to Canadians why their uh, their fellow country members were voting in the way that they they were voting and, and what the uh, the election results actually meant in terms of what Canadians were communicating through the electoral process. So. Uh, what we did was we took, I would say, a, a really well-rounded approach to this. We took an approach that was exhaustive in terms of bringing forth all the capabilities that, that Ipsos could bring to an election campaign and uh, and really gave an experience to people who are watching uh, or reading or listening to anything that was put up by Global News, News or Chorus, a really good, well-rounded perspective on what was happening in the campaign. And I think we did meet our goals. Uh, um, and I, I know Global feels that uh, that we did as well. Well, that's fantastic to hear. Just one last question for you, Daryl, and this has been a really fascinating conversation, so thank you for joining me today. There was another Ipsos Views paper um, that you played a part in called Trust Misplaced, and in that paper, you wrote, every worthwhile relationship is based on trust. You either have it or you want it. Those who have it hold an incredible advantage over those who are struggling to earn it. While the paper focused on trust in the media, the principle holds true in all areas of business. Do you have any final thoughts for our listeners on how the public affairs service line tries to build trust with all of the potential individuals that participate in IPSO surveys, irrespective of methodology? Yeah, so that's uh, an important point. And it's one of the reasons, and it gets back to the, the, the major, I guess, thrust of this, uh, of this conversation, which is why do we do things like political polling? Why do we try to demonstrate that we're accurate at doing these things? Why do we want our name out there? Well, the reason is because we're asking people all the time to cooperate in our surveys. And if they've never heard of you and, they, and you're not a trusted name or a trusted brand, uh, the likelihood that they'll participate in your surveys uh, is, is much lower for uh, anybody who's, who's trying to, to uh, actually get honest answers from the Canadian public and not just Canadian public, anywhere in the world where we do this type of activity, uh, to get honest answers from them about what's really going on in their life and what they really want out of governments and businesses and, and anybody else that's uh, that's interacting with them. So uh, we see um, trust building through uh, uh, doing accurate research and being honest about the findings that we, uh, that we get and being ubiquitous and out there and making sure that people know uh, what our brand is, is being a really important part of uh, making sure that we stay connected to the audiences that we're interested in talking to. Well, I have been very interested in talking to you today, Daryl. So thank you very much for uh, joining me and, and sharing your perspective. I think it's been very insightful for both myself and for our listeners. So once again, 
Thank you very much. Thanks, Leanne. I look forward to seeing you in person at some point in the near future. <laughs> exactly. Okay. Take care.